Hello, and welcome to the Earthed Podcast. This podcast is all about holistic health and well-being. We will be talking all things mind, body, and spirit, along with anything in between that feels aligned to the improvement of ourselves or our environment. I am your host, Emily Shine, kinesiologist, spiritual development mentor, and intuitive. This podcast is meant to educate, inspire, and empower you to live your life to the fullest. I am so excited to have you here. Now let's get to today's show. On today's episode of the Earthed Podcast, I'm so excited to say that I got to speak with Michelle Ann Soul Healer and Jody Conduit, a couple of incredible women who I am proud to say are good friends of mine. And we got to discuss all things mind, body, and spirit. You guys wrote in to us with some really interesting questions and we had an absolute ball answering them for you. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Hello and welcome to Michelle, Anne and Jody. I am so blessed to have both of you joining us today in, on the Earth Podcast. We're here to have some uh, soul-spiration chats and I thought who better than to bring on two of my favourite, favourite people. So say hello, Yay. guys. Hello. Hi. Jody's also a Jody Ann as well, so you have Michelle, Anne and Jody Ann together. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Um, all right, so we've had we've asked some of our listeners to write in some questions today. So we're going to be going through uh, some of the questions that you all have sent in to us uh, to give a little bit of clarity around your spiritual paths. So uh, first of all, I'm going to um, ask my age-old question, what lights you up? But I'm also going to ask uh, Jody and Michelle to introduce themselves to you. So we'll go to Michelle first. Michelle, can you introduce yourself to the listeners and also let us know what lights you up? So, um, as Emily said, my name is Michelle Ann and I call myself a soul healer because it encompasses so many things that I do. But basically what I find is when people leave me, they feel happier. So that's why I call myself a soul healer. And what lights me up is being around really high vibration people, people that I connect with that like make, like what I'm doing now, smiling because I'm... I'm living in alignment. I'm talking to some cool people and people that have really, really lovely energy and are living their purpose and their dreams that are really inspirational. That's what lights me up the most. Yes, I love that. Oh, face lights up. Yeah. I feel that too. Thank you so much. Jody. can you introduce yourself and let us know what lights you up? All right. So this one's a bit more tricky because I'm an eclectic, a bunch of things. So I guess I'm Jody to begin with. And um, I do a little bit of soul work. I do a little bit of human graphic design work as well. And I guess what lights me up is just supporting anybody I possibly can that I know is has a beautiful message to get out there. So I find that my job is usually in the behind the scenes of the things. Um, but I just love being able to support people too so that they can reach their full potential as well. Like I find that... I can never find what my message is to give yet. It'll come when my time is ready. But at the moment, by being able to support others, I'm able to learn more about what I love as well. So that's amazing. I love that. Thank you, Jodie. 
And what lights me up, oh, I'm Emily Shine. I don't know if people know my voice yet. <laughs> what lights me up at the moment, what's lighting me up is this conversation. I love just having deep conversations with people. And even if it's just, you know, in the most bizarre circumstances, I will find myself in a corner with like three or four people just having really profound, deep conversations. I guess the contrast to that is something that really doesn't light me up is small talk that doesn't get underneath anything. So yeah, definitely this podcast journey has been amazing for me because it's allowing me to have those deeper conversations on a regular basis and to share them with the world. But also what really lights me up is seeing someone to connect back in with themselves, to find themselves again, because there's just so many things that we live through in our lifetimes um, and they can be traumatic or they could just be confusing or we can just become so absorbed in another person even where we just lose ourselves and we don't understand um, where to go from that. So when I see someone have those aha moments or they feel like they've got their life back or they feel like they know who they are again, that's what lights me up. That's what makes me super, super happy. All right, so let's get to today's first question. And they're sort of all over the place. So I'm going to maybe start with the one I've got written on my phone. All right, so the first question is, what do you do when you get scared? At the moment, I am feeling myself opening to my spiritual side, but as much as I want to let it in, it's a massive fear of the unknown. Okay, so Michelle, did you want to have a go at answering that one? I can answer that one because it's happened to me personally. Um, when you really tap into yourself and your spirituality, some things start to come through and they can come through quite strongly at first. And if you're not used to it, it is very overwhelming, which I'd imagine where that question's come from. Um, what I do is I just, uh, in my head and my intention is I'm high vibration, so there's only ever going to be high vibration coming through me. So for yes. a few split yeah. seconds, I got really scared because it was so powerful. I'm like, holy crap, I haven't even thought that this could be negative. And it went through my head for a split second, but, and I panicked. Uh, I rang a really good friend who like uh, does similar work to you and said, oh my God, what's going on here? She said, it's only good because you are good, which that's now, it doesn't even enter my head that there's, I know there's negative out there. I'm not silly. But I also know that my place here and my my physical body is in such a high vibration that that's not going to, one, come near it, and two, I don't let it in. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally so great. some great advice. She just, and the other thing when I, I, I found it quite powerful, like I had a physical shaking, she's just said, go out and ground. So yeah. if you're starting to really feel too overwhelmed by energy, the best thing you can do is go out and put your hands and your feet on the ground. If it's really, really full on, then lie flat face on the ground. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. When you connect with a higher vibration, that's what you're connecting with. And that's that can be really powerful. And because you're not aware of what that feels like when you're first starting out, it can seem a little bit scary. But when you get that fear coming into your body, that's actually going to lower your vibration. So you really want to try and counteract that by staying in your light. And you can also call in your protective angels, your guides, your team to help you through that as well. But uh, Michelle is completely right. If you are connecting with a higher vibration, if you are good, if your intentions are high, then you should only be attracting high high energies in and um, good energies in. Anybody have anything to add to that one? Yeah, no, look, I was told a lot of the same stuff, be on a high high vibration, you know, doing the grounding. I got all of that advice. We did have a situation at our house when I was first doing it and it seemed that it was awakening everybody in the house. So we actually had somebody come, my husband had 
sleep paralysis one night and could see someone at the end of the bed. And we were a bit worried that we'd invited something bad into the house. And But what it actually ended up being is that we were not listening to the messages and so it had to come through in a stronger way for it to be seen. So it may seem scary or um, you may be fearful of it, but that doesn't actually mean that it's a bad thing trying to come through. Sometimes you do just need to allow it and let whatever is happening happen um, and just trust that you're safe. Yeah, 100%. And we've also got that shadow work aspect as well. So, you know, you've got, you're going to have time with times where you've got some things that might feel lower vibrational coming up within you. But that's just because wherever there's light, there's also dark and we need to be accepting of all things and all of everything in the universe is a part of us. So even that darkness that you might feel from time to time, that's also a reflection of parts of us that we might be needing to to delve into a little bit and work with and, and cope with. But it's all relevant because it all helps us to become better, more aware, higher vibrational versions of ourselves. And, and we can exactly. see that even in the physical realm when we have challenges in our physical lives, we end up being much stronger because of those challenges. So that works as well for your spiritual aspects. So I guess another piece of information for that one would be connect back into your why. Why do you want to do it? Why do you want to connect in with this energy in the first place? If this is because you're wanting to make a difference, because you're wanting to be a, you know, a warrior of the light, then that should give you the courage to keep going through any challenges that you are facing along the way. So in saying that, how do we raise our vibration? This is another question we had written down, and I feel like it's a perfect segue off the back of that question. So what are some things that we can do to raise our vibration? So the first thing I would suggest would be looking at your physical world first, because that's the world that we have right in front of us, and that's the easiest one to kind of, I guess, knock out of the park. So look at things like what food you're putting into your body, because food actually holds a vibrational frequency as well. So if you're putting a lot of what I call dead food, so food that's processed or it hasn't had a lot of life force energy in it, it's actually going to bring your vibration down. Lots of high life force food would be things like plants, fruit, vegetables, things that were alive or still are alive uh, that has a high vibrational energy attached to it. You'll find that the more energy work you do, the more sensitive you become to food. And uh, I know Michelle can speak to this because when she did my uh, coaching, um, my Chakra Awakenings coaching with me, I sort of said to her she may not be able to tolerate coffee by the end of it. And sure enough. <laughs> spot on. You were spot on. <laughs> That's because coffee has got a certain vibrational frequency to it that I find more often than not actually doesn't sit very well with light workers and with people with, that are operating in a higher light frequency. Um, and it's not because it's unhealthy because coffee can be healthy in some, in some aspects. It's actually really good, especially in a colonic form, <laughs> but it is, it is, it stimulates the bile ducts. So it's, it's really, really good for um, doing coffee enemas are, are great for you, but it's not about what's healthy and what's not healthy. This is specifically talking about what raises your vibration. 
And we're going to talk about the chakras, I think, a little bit later, but you can actually balance your chakras through your food as well, because each food has a frequency that attaches to your chakras. So one of the easiest ones to point out would be something like root vegetables help to nourish your root chakra. And that's a really easy one to remember because they're grounding, they're stabilizing, they've come from the earth, all of those sorts of things. So the cleaner your diet, the more spiritually connected you will feel and the higher vibrational um, the higher your vibration will be. And so with that, you want to make sure that you are um, having, you know, enough exercise, getting out and having some fresh air, being around higher vibrational people. Because if you're in situations where people are really low vibe, then you're going to feel that as well. Um, and drinking plenty of really nice, clean, mineral-rich water is really important as well. So these are some of the physical aspects of just making sure that you're vibration is nice and high but I'm going to pass it over to Michelle and she can give you some more tips and maybe more physical ones maybe more etheric ones yes everything that you've said physicality is the first by far the most important because yeah. if you don't have that then the rest will struggle like you can feel sluggish and you're not getting messages it's obviously because you're getting blocked physically but there's so many other parts of your body that people are not aware of until they start their spiritual journey so you've got your physical body but you've also got your mental your mental what's going on in your brain you've got your emotional body and then you've got your whole outer which is what we'll talk about later which is your energetic field so they all need to be looked after as well to increase your vibration in on those levels so I'll probably quickly just talk about mental, like what's going on in your brain. Like if you're constantly talking yourself down and um, letting what we call our ego take over and just having negative thoughts all the time, then it's going to be very difficult to increase your vibration. Um, another thing is the, the way we perceive the world. If we are living in a, when you're talking about emotions, so things like shame, guilt, fear have a really, really, really low vibration. It's scientifically proven. So, but things like gratitude, like happiness, fulfillment, yes. so much higher. So you're living, if you're living in gratitude, you're pretty much going to be in a high vibrational state because you can't be any other way. 100% so, agree. I 100% yeah. agree. Jody, do you have anything to add to that one? I just keep getting dancing. Oh. Yeah. Like, I just want to give like a simple like everything's great that you guys are saying but just a simple thing to just shift some energy in a real quick moment when you're feeling a bit low just dance just turn some music on and dance like nobody is watching yeah you know, 100%. It's just nothing better and just a little point on alcohol too like I love a wine as much as anyone else and it is at the time we were laughing about this before the podcast because at the time it is it's quite high vibrational and you're having fun especially if you're doing it in the right circumstance with the right people for the right reason. Definitely, I'm all up for it. But just be really careful with alcohol because if you're drinking too much, it will really drop your vibration the next day. Even yeah. if you're having a couple of wines, I have been off alcohol for a couple of weeks now, which I never thought would happen, and so much clearer. Because yeah. even those yeah. few wines can make you, the next day it's a depressive. Yeah. So it will make your vibration drop. But, yeah, I'm not saying don't drink alcohol. I'm just saying be wary of what it's doing to your body. Yeah, and the same your energy. The same goes for drugs as well. So for anyone out there that's, um, you know, 
that's feeling like they're wanting to change their life and they might still be struggling or depending on 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 drugs and that can even be pharmaceutical drugs and I don't mean the, the drugs that keep you alive like if somebody's you know insulin dependent that's not what we're talking about here I'm talking about people who are becoming you know addicted to things that are like high painkillers and things like that to kind of numb themselves out that's going to affect your vibration as well so any of those foreign bodies that are helping you to numb parts of yourself are going to lower your vibration, certainly, yeah. But it's funny because uh, with the alcohol thing, I, I couldn't agree more, but there's even a difference in how you'll feel in the morning from like a hangover perspective when you think about the kind of alcohol that you consume as well. So if you have like a, a biodynamic organic wine, and you have a few glasses of that, you're probably not going to feel any effects whatsoever the next day because the way it's been cultivated and the way that it's been processed is a really high vibrational way. And so therefore it doesn't it doesn't affect your cellular body as well, like as bad, and it doesn't affect your vibrational body as, as badly either. And I guess a good question to add to this um, would be what, why do we need to keep our vibration high? Like what does that even mean? Like why should we have a higher vibration? And the, the quick answer for that one would be that like attracts like. So if you think about things that are high vibrational and lower vibrational, lower vibrational are, are things like negative emotions, you know, feeling sluggish, lethargic, not being able to get the most out of your life, attracting in people who, you know, aren't healthy for you to be around or situations, stress, anxiety, all of those things are lower vibrational. And if you feel like you're stuck in a web of that or a cycle of that, you might need to check your vibration and bring that bring that up because if you can live in a high vibrational state where you're living in gratitude and happiness and motivated, you know, eating well and, and, and surrounding yourself with good people, then that's exactly what you're going to attract more of. And so that is the point of, of keeping your vibration high and that's why when we're doing energy work we can actually keep our vibration high so that we're attracting high vibrational energy in so like attracts like and remember that and I think the other thing was that you know being aware of like the tv and what you're watching what you're listening to every single day like all of those things actually have an impact even scientifically on our cognitive ability so if you're spending day in day out binging like a high stress TV show so I like I shouldn't name names but they, there's like some cult-like TV shows out there and there's got a lot of drama you know I'm all for a good TV binge but if you're spending day like day after day watching that thing and it's a lot of intense um, emotion attached to it can actually lower your vibration and I'm sure that I can speak for myself but I can also speak for other people I've spoken to about this that when you actually make that connection I was like, oh yeah I haven't actually been feeling that great lately and yes I have been watching a lot of you know this particular TV show because I kind of got hooked on it again so there's a connection there so just be aware of your connection so you can filter that I all right my maths viewing. yeah <laughs> no more maths don't you, you swear at me <laughs> see it's like alcohol you can have a little bit of these things it's we're humans we gotta that's we gotta it. live in balance that's, that's a big it. thing for me is balance yeah balance not to be too balance. extreme yeah. yeah, like nothing has to be religious. Yeah, like you can you can use your filter as to how much you do need and how much you don't need. And I guess this is why when I run retreats, I feed everyone plant based food. I don't let them have any meat while they're at retreat because 
meat actually holds the vibrational frequency of the animal that it's come from. Now, I'm a meat eater. I do actually eat chicken and fish, um, but I don't when I'm on retreat because we're, we're doing such a huge amount of purging of this energy that we don't want any interference from outside sources to come in and, and, and slow that down. So we want lots of high vibrational frequency food. And I'm just going to answer this question for all the people that are freaking out out there because Jodie's sitting there cringing at the fact that she's coming to my retreat <laughs> The food we feed you at these retreats is some of the best food you'll ever eat in your life. No one ever misses. So no one ever misses their meat because, um, yeah, the, the the people that we enlist to cook the food are just incredible, incredible, incredible chefs. My mum's yeah. going to want all the tips of how you finally got me to eat veggies. <laughs> <laughs> I have had many people before you come on retreat and be absolutely terrified about eating the food and have walked away loving it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing to worry about there. All right, so the next question is, what does it mean when someone has an ego death and what is the ego? And that's, that's interesting because I'm interested on this. On. I want to know the answer to this question. Okay. <laughs> So an ego death is a it's it's a term that gets thrown around a lot and essentially it's important to talk about what the ego actually is first. So ego is your identity. So it's the part of you that tells you that you can and that you're amazing and that you're wonderful and that you're going to kick this out of the path and no one else is better than you, but it's also the part of you that says that you're not good enough, that you'll never be able to reach your goals, that you are unworthy, that you shouldn't even bother trying. So people need to get that straight. That ego does not just connect to ego egotistical behavior where people think they're too good or they're arrogant. Ego connects to the identity of ourselves, the things that we identify, whether they be positive aspects of ourselves, negative aspects of ourselves, our image, the way that we look, the way that we think we look, that's all a part of our ego. And so when people talk about having an ego death, essentially what they're saying is they're having a death of their identity. And so I, a lot of people can probably relate to that identity death. But it's not necessarily meaning that your ego never exists again because it is my belief that we do not transcend our ego, that we do not, you know, leave our, our identity behind. It is my belief that we become aware of our egos. So we become aware of the parts of ourselves that have a tendency to do this, this or this. And then we work with that. So there's a beautiful song that I listen to and I think it's called Grandmother's Fear. And in that song, he says, I didn't transcend my ego. I made friends with it. And this is perfect uh -huh. to me. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of spiritual texts out there talking about, you know, this or that will make you have an ego death. You'll no longer have an ego. And I just can't attach to that because we all have an identity. We're all always going to have an identity because we're human beings. I'm much short of, you know, monks who sit on the floor and, and meditate for 23 out of 24 hours a day who are completely you know in a state of enlightenment all the time I'm pr pr pretty sure they probably don't have much of an ego to be honest but if you're living in a in a normal I guess quote-unquote normal society you're going to have somewhat of an ego and that's actually okay that doesn't make you not a spiritual being that doesn't mean that you're not ascended it just means that you are human and it's about knowing those human parts of yourself and working with them becoming friends with them so that you know when your ego is creeping in and saying ah you need to be scared of this feeling that's your ego well actually my ego is telling me i need to be scared of this feeling so i just need to be aware of that 
and, you know, try and move my thoughts into a more positive alignment. Yeah. I think just to add on to that, something I've seen recently floating around somewhere is that in the end we were spiritual beings. We chose to come here to have that human experience, but now that we're here being human, we're trying to shed that. So just to kind of remind yourself that you don't need to have these deaths. You just, as you said, you need to learn to work with them and to know them and to see them. It doesn't need to be getting rid of it. Yeah. It's one of my biggest frustrations, I think, in the spiritual world is that sometimes people become so obsessed with the journey of spirituality and of, of, of I guess, ascending their human form that they they try, they almost forget that they are here to have a human experience. And if, mm. if our job was to become these pure light beings, then we would not be in a human form right now. We'd be in source energy, which is where we're going to go after this lifetime anyway. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's 100, you're 100% right, Jodie. It's just about being able to be aware of your human side and work with that so that you can, you know, better yourself as a, as a better human. I had that when I was about six or seven. I don't know if I've told you this story, but I remember I was always trying to be a good little girl, which I still am at 43. But um, <laughs> and I, was, I thought, okay, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to do every single thing right. And I was about my daughter's age, me, about seven. And then it dawned on me that if I was perfect, that I would actually be an angel and I wouldn't be on this earth. That's what happened um, at seven years old. I was like, um, that, looking back on it, I'm like, that's really deep for that age. Yes. But it made, it just was like, if you can't be perfect, if I was not, if I was perfect, I wouldn't be an angel and I wouldn't be here. Yes. So, and, yeah, it's a good way to look at it. You were, your source, your connection to source was so strong at that age to know that information because that's, mm. that's 100% correct and that's, and that's what my guides keep telling me all the time. Every time I beat myself up about something, they're like, you're here to be these things. Like you're meant to be doing these things. You're a human. Yeah, yeah. That's how Big you learn. That's why you came nice. down here. <laughs> oh, not always fun though, is it? It's not. It's not always fun. But, but you know, I love that saying, it's better to be green than growing than ripe and rotten. So what, you know, mm-hmm. what happens when you learn everything, when you become perfect? Nothing, nothing happens. You just stay stationary. It would be boring. You would rot. You'd just be waiting to die essentially. So it's okay. okay. You know, challenges, they're there. They're, they're, they can be hard, but they are there for us to grow and we continually need to grow. Otherwise we would be bored shitless and we'd be wasting our time here. No one wants to ride a straight roller coaster. No. 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 I like that no. Thing. No, and, right. and the thing is the world is such an upside down place and there's so much turmoil going on here and we're here to help that turmoil and I think if anyone's in a space where everything in their life is so super perfect, they're not helping because they're not getting involved in making a difference in, in some of that. Like, it doesn't have to be your turmoil. You don't have to feel it directly in your life but there is a lot of people that need help so if you're really in a state where everything in your life is super super perfect then maybe you need to get your hands dirty and I mean that might be a big call that might be a big call but uh, you know I'm a little bit of an activist and in, in helping the world so if you're super super perfect and there is absolutely nothing wrong in your life and everything is hunky-dory then get your hands dirty and go help somebody else who doesn't have that privilege that's so good I love that me too so Okay, the next question um, is what is a circle and what do you do in a circle? <laughs> so I'm going, to give, I'm going to give this one to Michelle because Michelle is running her first circle tonight. So I want her to be able to shed a little bit of light on that one for us. Uh, very good question because 
I didn't know the answer to that a couple of years ago. I remember uh, my sister saying she was doing circle work and I'm like, what the heck is circle work? So basically a circle is a, um, a safe space or container for a group of people. Often you'll see women's circles, but there are circles like Emily's that have men and women, um, which is another uh, brings a whole other dynamic into it. But it's basically women usually uh, and sitting in physical circle. So, and Em can talk more about the actual physicality of what the circle means, but obviously a circle is never ending and a circle is connected. So it's bringing women together to really connect and to be seen and heard in a safe space without judgment, without criticism, without even a lot of the time, without even advice. It's just being. So it's so powerful to be able to speak and just have people listen. Yeah. Not trying to cut you off and tell you their story or give you advice or you know, like uh, it's it's just life changing stuff, and it's yeah. bringing yeah. people together, bringing people t- together to connect, to create a community, to essentially raise the vibration of the planet. Because the more people that come in and into these sort of arenas and circles, and you're helping raise their vibration, they're going to go out and do the same thing for others. Yeah, so, yeah, really cool stuff. But Em, you might better talk more about the actual circle, that book you were reading, you were telling us about. Um, okay, yeah, so there is a beautiful book called The Millionth Circle, um, which is based on women's circles. And and for anyone who wants to know a little bit more on how to facilitate a circle or the meaning behind circles, then definitely jump on board with that. But, yeah, you're right. Circles are representative of a never-ending cycle. Circles are a representation of equality. So when you sit in a circle, there is no leader. There is no one up the front dictating, holding space, anything like that. When you sit in a circle, you all become equal. So as a circle facilitator, I've been running circles for eight or nine years now, and in every sense, I will tell the people who arrive there that even though I am there to facilitate the circle in a sense of bringing the people there and having some kind of a, you know, a run sheet of events for the night, I'm just as much a part of that circle as everybody else. I have. There is no hierarchy in a circle and that's what the most important um, aspect or symbology of that circle is, is that there is no hierarchy. There's no one that's better. There's no one with more anything. You are just all equal, which is, um, you know, why they call it the circle of life. So uh, with with the the millionth million circle, one of the things I wanted to bring to the table from that book was the uh, the, the phenomenon of the millionth circle was based on a study they did with monkeys um, in Japan. And so this study was uh, scientists were absor- observing uh, monkeys in Japan on an island that was isolated from any other island because Japan has a lot of islands around it. So there was monkeys on there that were eating sweet potatoes and they actually taught one of the monkeys how to wash their sweet potato in the salt water before eating it, which obviously removed dirt and added a saltiness to the sweet potato, which would have tasted much better for them. So that monkey then started to do that. And what they were observing was, um, was, was social behavior. So how one person can start doing that. And then that starts to um, roll on to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. So sure enough, it did. And that's what they assumed would happen. And um, they were trying to measure that. But what happened in that experience, experiment is what they didn't expect. Um, and that is that once they had tipped over to the 100th monkey, so the 100th monkey on that island started washing their sweet potato, the island opposite them that had no connection physically to that island 
started having monkeys showing up washing their sweet potatoes. And so what they put this down to was collective consciousness. So there is a thing called collective consciousness where as you know, a certain amount of us change our thought processes and the way that we do things, then we raise an entire consciousness level and we all start to do the same sort of social behaviour. And so circles really started for me. Yes, I've created space now for men to come into them, but circles really started for me around women and women's work because eight or nine years ago, spirituality was not as well um, talked about as what it is now. It was still a little bit weird. People who were into things like tarot cards or, um, you know, crystals and stuff like that we were slapped with a label of being a certain type of person. Whereas today you walk into pretty much any, you know, um, shopping center and you can find a crystal there because it's, it's kind of fashionable, which is awesome. That's awesome. But eight or nine years ago, that wasn't the case. So I created a safe space for women who were learning to awaken, who were um, just starting their spiritual journey to come in and talk to other women who were also interested in it. Um, and take off their social masks. And that was where it all began. But that's that's evolved now to just being about taking your social masks off in general because we just keep this guard up um, around, especially women to women, we keep a guard up. And that is because we think that we need to be threatened by other women. We need to be um, afraid that another woman's going to, you know, be jealous of us or compete against us or tear us down. And so the circles are really about creating a better relationship between women and an acceptance for them to be able to take their social masks off. And by doing that work, then by the time we reach a million circles and we've got a million circles going on in the world, then this whole consciousness shift is going to happen between women and they're going to find it acceptable to be able to be that kind of person. And the reason why I've invited men into that space is that men are, you know, probably even worse off than women when it comes to taking that social mask off and talking about their feelings and the way that things are actually going for their lives. So being able to hold space for men to do that as well is, is so, um, it's so important and it's so rewarding but what actually happens in a circle it can vary depending on who's holding the circle but it's nothing super uncomfortable it's nothing super weird you know we might do a bit of a meditation there can be a little bit of a ritual that is connected to a moon depending on whether that's the circle that's being run at the time you know um, Michelle and I will often have a bit of cacao which is a beautiful medicine cacao is the you know made from from the cacao plant so it's chocolate essentially and it's really delicious but it helps you to open your heart space so you just you sit there you do a little bit of a meditation you drink some hot chocolate <laughs> essentially um and then we go around the circle and we talk and that's really all there is to it it's nothing overly weird so if you haven't been to a circle before definitely find out whether somebody near you is holding one and get along to them or create one for yourself because we're aiming for that millionth circle and who knows, we may have already hit it, to be honest. Um, all right, so the next question is, how do I connect with my spirit guides? And I want to add, a, I did want to add to that question, how do you know who your spirit guide is? Because those are the two questions that Michelle and I seem to get a lot. So uh, Michelle, I'm going to shoot that one to you. Well, Emily Shine helped me find my spirit guides, actually. Um, and it was via a meditation. Well, actually, it was actually before that. So I think once you start opening yourself up to your spirituality, it comes sort of naturally. You may not see it at the time. You may not know what the signs are, but eventually you'll be like, oh, that makes sense. So mine come to me physically in a healing where I got some pretty strong signs. 
And then I went to Emily's um, intuition workshop where she ran us through a, uh, like, meet your spirit guide meditation. And I was doing it thinking, oh, yeah, this is like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I'm on the beach, yeah, whatever. You know, the ego starts talking. <laughs> I'm relaxed as if. And the next minute this person comes walking along the beach. It, I couldn't, you couldn't write a funnier story. And it linked into the... Um, the same signs that I had in my healing and then I went and got my spirit guide drawn randomly at an expo like sort of similar to uh, mind body spirit woman I had never met before in my life sat down and I I always wasn't sure about that stuff I thought oh is this for real but no I'm really drawn to this woman I'm going to get her to draw it and it was the same spirit guide that came through to me in your meditation and the same spirit guide the signs pointing to me in my healing so it's just opening yourself up spiritual spiritually and it will come through for you but yeah, heaps of meditations out there that you can do. It's really yeah. tapping into yeah. your intuition, really. Yeah, it's really it's really based around trust. Trust yeah. is really, really important when it comes to connecting in with your spirit guides because they can present to you in all sorts of different weird and wonderful ways. Sometimes it's via meditation, sometimes it can be a vision, you can have a dream, or it can just be a feeling, like a feeling of connection to a certain animal. Like I really, no matter where I go, I just really feel this connection to this animal. Like my nine-year-old said to me the other day, can I get a tattoo when I'm 16? And I said, no. <laughs> And he said, but I want to get my spirit animal. And I said, what do you mean you want to get your spirit animal? What's your spirit animal? And he goes, my spirit animal is a wolf. I've known that forever. <laughs> okay. And so oh wow. you, just, you just don't, you don't question it when it comes up inside you because intuitively you do know. And I want to also bring to your attention that when your spirit guide turns up to you, don't question the origin of that spirit guide because it can be really weird at first that sometimes it can make no sense and I know it was Michelle's and she's deliberately not said who her spirit guide is because she doesn't want to freak anyone out and she's like oh, oh, that's, right. that's why I didn't want to freak anyone out yeah, so which right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it because my because my spirit guide did the exact same thing well one of my spirit guides what we're going to be talking about here is not necessarily just spirit guides because we all have our own sort of guides angels and teams right and those teams can be unknown to us in 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 any kind of historic text they can just be guides or just an animal but then we also have another form of I guess multi-dimensional communication to what we call the ascended masters so ascended masters are guides that have been here on earth lived a human life done an immense amount of spiritual work and then they have then left this 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 earthly plane and they have ascended and continue to do that work from source and those ascended masters will work with hundreds of thousands of billions of millions of souls and so just because they're working with you it doesn't mean that they aren't working with billions of other people as well so sometimes when these ascended masters show up for people people are like well that can't be my spirit guide because I'm not important enough to have this person there but they're helping many 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 other people so for me when my spirit guide uh showed up now I need to give a disclaimer that myself and I'm fairly certain Michelle we don't really have biblical backgrounds and we are not what we would call religious. Um, I, I definitely don't identify with being a Christian. I don't identify with um, being a Catholic or, or anything. I've not even read the Bible. And so when my ascended master showed up to me as Mother Mary, 
I was very confused. <laughs> it's like, why? Why have I got Mother Mary? I don't, I'm not even, and I actually asked her because I did this. For me, she showed up for me in a, uh, in a hypnosis session. And I fell into her arms and I cried and cried and cried and I felt like I was home. And then I asked the question, I'm like, but what does this mean? Like, I'm not even religious. And she said to me, I am the mother of angels and you talk wow. to angels and I help mothers and I help children and I help women. And that is the, that is the essence of what your work is here to do. Wow. And then after I came out, and this was really early on, this was like, I might have been 17, 18 at the time. And when I came out of that, I actually started to do some research into Mother Mary from the spiritual um, perspective of her, not from the biblical perspective of her. And I actually found out that she, um, that Doreen Virtue, before she had gone born again Christian, (laughs) disclaimer there, but Doreen Virtue, when she was doing all her angel cards and all that kind of stuff, had actually written a book about um, Mary called Mary, mother of uh, Mary, queen of angels. And it, it, it explained wow. that she was the mother of angels. So, you know, she, she gave birth to the angels and to the angelic realm and that she works with that soft, gentle mothering energy, which is the energy that I kind of pull through. So with Michelle, she got Jesus. <laughs> and so she was like, why is Jesus showing up? I'm not even religious. But Jesus was a healer and Michelle's an incredible healer and that's the healing energy that she's she's pulling through. There's a thing called Christ consciousness and that's what she's tapping into when she is, um, you know, working alongside Christ. And so that is definitely more of a spiritual uh, rendition or a spiritual alignment with what Jesus's work was, not necessarily based on religious texts. And so these ascended masters can also be people like Buddha, um, and you might not be a Buddhist, but Buddha could be your ascended master. Kun Yin, she is a, um, I think she's Japanese. I have a feeling Kun Yin is Japanese. Anyway, she is an, a, a, she's the goddess of love and she can be your ascended master. Um, there are lots of other goddesses that can be ascended, ascended masters like Kali and Isis and all of these other well-known goddesses from you know certain historic texts or religious texts that you may not have a connection to the text but you have a connection to the master and their medicine so um so yeah so to 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 answer that um to read by what what michelle said is that they will make themselves aware to you and the most important thing is to just trust when you get that feeling or that vision or that notion that what you're seeing is what you're seeing instead of questioning it Okay, so uh, what are the chakras, energy fields, and auras? And I'm going to put in there what are meridian systems as well because that's another. And the Nadi channels, they're all basically energy channels um, within the body. So, Michelle, would you like to um, uh, talk about what the chakra system is and what the energy field is and what the aura field is? And I can have a chat about meridians if you like. Yeah, so um, I'm no, like, expert in chakras Um, when I first started my journey I didn't even believe in chakras to be completely honest I didn't thought they were a bit too hippie for my liking chakra you know like even the word um but they're like they're energy centers basically so they're like wheels of spinning energy through your midline of your body so we have seven main ones but there's other ones correct me if I'm wrong up there higher and down there lower as well yeah yeah and they all have specific frequencies and you probably heard this better than me specific frequencies they align with a certain colour and they affect certain parts of your body. So the base is all about security and safety and um, stability and like, like roots, like grounding. Yeah, and then yes. sacral is obviously yeah. creativity and it goes up 
throat, you know, and you can imagine what, where they are on your body is what they are, solar plexus, your heart, which is my favourite, love the heart chakra, which is all to do with your cacao and your gratitude and opening your heart, throat, speaking your truth, your third eye, which is your opening your intuition and seeing, and then your crown chakra, which is really um, connecting with those higher realms that you've talked about. And then your whole body is surrounded by an energetic field, basically, which I don't know the exact, is an aura that, I'll ask you, Emily, is, it, is an aura the same as an energetic field? Yes. Or, yes. yeah, same thing? Yes. I'll let you, how about you tell us about auras? Because I'm not, I know it's there, but I don't know too much specific about it. Yeah, for sure. So, so uh, with the chakras, there's actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chakras in your body, but we do really just focus on the main seven maybe then we move on to the soul star and the earth star which is the one below your feet in the ground earth star and soul star which is the one above your head so sometimes when we've got energy healers doing energy work they'll focus in a little bit on those ones and there's also hand chakras which we can open up and and work with when we're energy healing but mainly we look after the main seven and as michelle said they do correspond with different colors and they correspond with different parts of the body different feelings, emotions, and also our organs and our organ production. So when you look at the auric field, we actually have many layers of our auric field as well, and they also connect to each one of those chakras. So for instance, your base chakra is red, and it looks after your physicality, your safety, your belonging, your your, your core needs. And the first layer out from your energetic field, your first auric layer, is your physical body, and it connects in with your physical chakra your base chakra and then we move further and further out through all the layers that correspond with each of the chakras right up until you get to your etheric layer which is the last layer which is the one that connects you with source energy with spirit and that's also connected in with your crown your soul star chakra so they they correspond with those those chakras um and there's also another energy i guess called like different these are all just ways in which energy can enter and move about your body so the chakras are like wheels they're spinning wheels of light they're entry points where where energy can come in or go out of your body and within your body you have your chakra system you have your auric field but you've also got your meridian system and your meridian system is like veins um, that carry your blood around your body. It's the highways that carry the energy from your chakra system throughout your body into the different organs. So this is what uh, acupuncture or acupressure is based on, is this meridian system. So you can have a buildup in one area um, and you can have not enough energy in another area. So when people are doing acupuncture, what they're doing is they, they're choosing one point of energy so one entry point to one of the of the meridians and they're tonifying one point and they're sedating another point so that we're bringing the energy back into equilibrium so that we have a clear energetic uh, line so everything's running smoothly and we do this in kinesiology as well so that allows the organ to function better for the body to heal itself which is why acupuncture acupressure kinesiology or energy medicine helps the body to heal itself because all of it is based on the pretense that the body should know how to heal itself but we get interference or we get confusion within our bodies so by getting these healing modalities done we're getting that interference cleared so the body can remember what it needs to do to heal itself so we've got the meridians as well we also have the nadi channels just to throw another one in the mix 
which is around the kundalini energy. So it's the central line of energy that goes up and down the body. And that's talking about our masculine energy, our feminine energy, and our central energy all being in balance and in equilibrium with each other. And we can access the nadi channels through our breath, so through the, the, the pranic energy. And uh, this is supposed to bring balance to the rest of the body and bring the body back to what we call homeostasis. And that is why when you look at the national emblem of health in every country, you will see a sword with two snakes going up the side. That is representative of the Nadi channels being in balance. You have the central line, which is your, your, center, your centered energy, and then you have your masculine, your feminine intertwining up the sword, and that is the uh, emblem of balance, emblem of homeostasis and of good health. So that actually originates from those energy channels. So that is what the chakra and the energy in the auric fields are. So I'm going to ask, actually, I'm going to go to one of the questions on this post. Uh, okay, so can we give an overview of different aspects of the spiritual connection realm that you can bring into your life and where may you get more information on how to learn more about crystals, tarot cards, etc.? Well, we had a look at this question before and Michelle's like, I know some good courses. <laughs> so, Michelle, why don't you tell us a little bit about the course that you're running at the moment, which is called Soul School. Yes, so my courses, um, just a big plug for Emily here because she started me on my journey and it was through her eight-week um, coaching course that got me to where I am now. And now I'm doing something similar, but I'm doing it online and I'm calling it Soul School. So my Soul School is a four-week program. It's exactly that, what you said, which is why I laughed. It's a way for people to find out more about all this stuff that we've been talking about, um, and but, but also putting action steps around it instead of just learning about it. So it's four weeks. We've got daily content, uh, daily content meditations, a Zoom meeting, and a real feeling of a community within it. And uh, it's it's been, I've just had the first week and it's been really successful so far. Like people are loving Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. So it's been just, so good. Jody's in there and um, yeah, people having massive aha moments because they're actually taking action, which yeah. is a big thing. And yeah. and they're sort of being made accountable. And that's what your coaching course was good for because you're actually answering to someone. So when you go and see you for the eight weeks and then I you'd say, Oh, how about okay, let's get you a business name and I'd be scared. But then I knew that I had to come back and see you. So I couldn't go, oh yeah, I didn't do it. So that's why these type of courses are really good instead of just learning. I mean, there's heaps on the internet, as you originally said. There's so much on the internet, books, Google. Oh, like you, there's a wealth of knowledge out there. You could sit there for years and learn about stuff like this. Yeah. But yeah. the quickest and most fast way I would say to really accelerate your spiritual growth is to go see a, a professional or someone that can help you through it. Enlist a mentor. That's the one. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. It. Soul School sounds absolutely amazing. And I know that Michelle is still taking entries into that. So if anybody wants to jump on board with Soul School, then definitely can uh, get contact Michelle. Um, but as Michelle said, with learning more about any of these things, it is, yeah, definitely get yourself a mentor. But if you're not in the financial position or you're not ready to do something like that, then just read plenty of books you know books were a massive part of my awakening journey um go and do workshops one day courses uh play with things intuitively connect into crystals so when i go to pick a crystal i know heaps about crystals over my years of working with crystals but when i go to pick a crystal 
I won't even necessarily always remember why that crystal is coming to me and I will just try and pick it with my intuition and then I'll go home and I'll research that crystal again and I'll go, that's right, that's what that's for and that makes total sense to me right now. So that's, like I guess, another aspect of spiritual development is that you need to trust yourself and not get too intertwined with the right or wrong way of doing things because there actually is no rules. There's no rules for what is right and what is not wrong, you know, um, with spiritual development it's not religion it's not there's no book there's no book to say this is what you must believe in it has to be something that resonates deeply within you and if it resonates deeply within you then it's correct that is right because that's how we know you know what our path is jody how how about you what's ways that you're help you've helped yourself along your journey books yeah books every time like i just i i just been showing some people this week, but I have such an extensive library now. It's not funny. And I have books on the moon, astrology, chakras, divination, like palmistry, like anything that I'm just kind of pulled towards or slightly interested in. I find the best way is just to get a book in your hands and read as much as you can about it. Like, um, yes, having a mentor is great and stuff but I do find that sometimes your mentor has focus in one area and that's because that's what their thing is but for me my I was not wanting to head in the same direction as my mentor and so I had to reach out to other places and I found Google overwhelming with information so I found that going on and I visit a certain store online and they always have everything I need and that literally the pop-up on their stories on Facebook and it'll be like this book's out today and I'm like honey that just thinking about that and so then I'll just go and grab it. So. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing I tell my clients as well, you know, like when you um, when you ask for the information to be delivered to you, the universe will open it up and they will deliver it to your doorstep. So if you are asking for someone to help you show you the way, you will find yourself landing in the exact chair that you needed to land in when it came to a healer or a mentor. If you are asking for information from a book, you will find the exact book that was meant to come to you at that time. But again, it goes it back. It literally to lands on my door in Express. That's amazing. Yes. I've got a really quick story about that. It's so funny. I was at Tony Robbins and we were all vibing really high. I was in Sydney and my friend and I, we missed our flight. So, you know, we normally how stressed you are when you miss your flight. We're like, oh, it happens to you, not for you, for you, not to you and all this stuff. We were like high vibing. We're at the airport. And, oh, we've got now we've got time for coffee. Oh, who cares? And she said, I want to go and buy a book at this bookstore. And I said, oh, I never buy books at airports. They're too expensive. That's ridiculous. And a little voice in my head said, you need to go and buy a book. I went in and I opened, um, I said, oh, I just feel I need to get this book. And I just reached out and, and the first book that came to me was this one called You Already Know by um, Helen Jacobs. And I'm not joking. It's exactly what I needed to get my head around Soul School and the uh, format. Like, yeah, it's been the Bible. So, and that's how it happens. If I hadn't have missed the flight, if we hadn't have been in that mindset of Tony Robbins and how positive and vibrationally high we were, we wouldn't have been open to it. But the fact yeah. that we went with gratitude and love and laughed and just saw the best in it, and it happened for a reason to get that's these books. And this book is what, yeah, so it's, that's, you've just got to be open is the yeah. big thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Nicole asks, small, what are some small, easy steps or actions to bring more connection with your intuition, soul, life purpose, et cetera, into your life? So once we're starting to learn some of these aspects, what are some steps that we can take to put these things into our life? um let's break this question down let's 
let's look at what some things that we can do to increase our connection to our intuition first. So um, our intuition or your intuition is your inner GPS system. And one of the best ways of being able to strengthen that, it's like a muscle. One of the best ways to strengthen that is to trust it and to use it. So the more that we ignore it and the more we don't use it, the it's not going to be very strong, essentially. So I always talk about, um, I refer back to intuitive people being like runners. So some people are born just these incredibly fast runners and they're just so free and they can just run and run and run and run. And that happens with intuitive people as well. There are people that come into this world and they are just already very organically open to their intuition. But in saying that, there are people who are, you know, there is anyone who's able-bodied essentially can run. And so there are people out there who can't, you know, run very fast or very far at the moment. But if they were running every single day after six months, after a year, after two years, they would become quite good at it. So this is the same as what I, I talk about with, with you know, intuition. So if you don't feel like you're very open to your intuition, you just need to practice it. You need to use it and trust it and it will get stronger and stronger and stronger. And some of the ways that you can do that is by using cut through statements with yourself when you have questions about your life. So if you are really worried about what you um, should do in a certain situation, you can ask yourself a question like, what, you know, what would my advice be to one of my best friends who is in this situation right now? Or if I truly loved myself, what would I do? And that initial response that you give yourself, that very first thing that you say to yourself after that, that is your intuition. Intuition is non-emotional. It doesn't have any emotional connection to it. It's just fact. So what you're going to do is you're going to say something directly after that statement that's your intuition. And then you're going to tell yourself probably three or four things that conflict with that after it. That is your ego. That is fear. So identifying that initial response. No, I shouldn't. Yes, I should. That is your intuition. And you need to develop a bond with that, a relationship with that and practice that. Um, and some of the other ways that you can help to strengthen your intuition is by using intuitive tools as well, like cards on a daily basis and, um, you know, waking up in the morning and pulling yourself a card for the day. You know, what do I need to know today? Pull yourself that card. Um, some people use dousing, pendulums, which is a, um, for those of you who don't know what that is, it is a either, you know, a, a crystal or um, wood or a piece of metal that is uh, shaped into a point, which is tied to a piece of string, similar to the uh, practice of a needle on a string over a pregnant lady's belly. We have, we can um, ask the pendulum to give us a yes or a no, and it will swing in corresponding ways. And then we can ask questions and ask the pendulum as well. All of these are intuitive tools. So they're an extension of yourself. So they are just a part of your higher self. Um, so if we go back to that question, do you guys have anything to add around creating your, you know, more of a connection to your intuition? I think you've covered it. Routine is a big one. Yeah. yeah. Just doing that repetitive thing every single day to do something to tap into your intuition. Yeah. Actually listening. Oh, listening, yes. yes. So for me, this is what started me on my spiritual journey. I was not listening to my intuition. I knew something was going on. And I ended up getting myself into such an anxiety state that I ended up rocking in a corner in my workplace one day. And I found out later on that they were actually going to fire me that afternoon, but I had to go home unwell. And so my body was prepared. It knew that it was telling me for weeks on end that I was not supposed to be there and I needed to get out, but I was not listening. Yeah. And yeah. it came to a head in a different way, you know. Yeah. So 
it's as simple as to say to trust it. But, yeah. you know, if you're getting that niggling feeling and it's starting to present in your body, then you really need to start listening. You yeah. know, it will yeah. present to you until you listen. 100%. And what about our life purpose? How do we connect into our life purpose, Michelle? Um, the big thing I always ask people, what would you do if you knew that you were never going to fail? Yeah, I love that question. That's, that's a great that's question. straight away usually. And the other thing is what do you spend so much of your time doing that people couldn't draw you away from it? Yeah. So for mine yeah. was like, oh, I was like you. I was like, oh, and I laughed and I said, well, as if this is going to be my life purpose. All I like to do is sit around and have deep conversations with people in coffee shops and I'm literally <laughs> doing that and this is my job and helping people. So it's, it is. It don't, don't write it off really quickly. Yeah. Like if, if that's, if you ask, yeah. You've got to establish your why. You've got to establish why you want to do these things that you want to do, um, you know, because there should be something in your life that lights you up. And so I always ask people when they're trying to figure out what their life purpose is, I'm like, forget about job, forget about career, forget about money, forget about any of that. What What would you want to fill your day with if you if you could do anything in that day, like what does your perfect day look like? And then start working backwards from there. What lights you up? What do you love to do? Like, is there a feeling? It doesn't even have to be one specific thing. It could be just a feeling that you get from helping someone. Well, I know that I really love to help people. And whenever I've helped people in the past, that's made me feel really good. Great. Well, we've established you're a helper. So now we all, all we have to do from there is figure out how you can help and in which way is going to light you up to help other people. Um, some people just say, I know I just really love being creative. So then we're like, okay, well, we've established that you need a creative industry to connect to because that's a part of your soul. It's a part of your life journey. You know, people get really connected in with the life purpose being, you know, something of great significance to the outside world and then they think that 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 creates a block because they think it has to be so much bigger than them and it has to be something that everyone's going to be so proud of but that doesn't necessarily have to be your life purpose your life purpose could be something very humble but what it changes is something within you because you're so happy and aligned doing it so forget about what everybody else sees on the outside and what it looks like to everybody else on the inside and think about how you feel on a daily basis and how that, you know, changes the people in your lives' lives but because you get to be a happier version of yourself and a more aligned version of yourself. Yeah. So true. Well yeah. said. Yeah. Okay, how did you get into energy medicine? Michelle, how did you get into energy medicine? Uh I'll keep this semi-short because it's a long story and a lot of people have already heard it, but I had signs my whole life. I just, again, like Jodie, I wasn't listening or aware of what was going on uh, and I kept getting pushed, 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 pushed. Uh, the essential oils is pretty much what opened, cracked it open. Uh, I think it's changed my vibration, put me around the right people, and then I ended up on a energy healer's bed receiving a uh, healing and had like a massive awakening like what you would, someone would say would be kundalini energy, like physical movements through my body. And uh, I got a message that I had to do similar work. So it was very powerful. And, yeah, and that opened up stuff. I, that's why I keep saying it's an awakening or a transformation because I was then able to do channeling, all these symbols and signs. It was just a catalyst. So that's how, and then I just followed my intuition 
and then I met you, like, thank you, universe, and did your course, and then one thing leads to another. And then, as you said, the more you use your intuition, the more I trusted it, it led me in the right direction. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And now you're living amazingly aligned. Yeah, but I wasn't like this my whole life. Like, I wasn't the runner that was born running. You know, I probably was if I was having thoughts like that at seven, but I wasn't brought up around that. My mum was very much into it but was hiding it away from probably fear of what people were thinking. So yeah. I wasn't in a family yeah. that was openly spiritual at all. So it was not till I was in my 40s that I realised. So there's never never too late, what I want to say. Absolutely. What about you, Jodie? What did, how did you get in alignment with um, energy working and, you know, all the things that you're interested in now? Is it always there or did you fall into it later in life? So for me, I'd always just had this knowing about things like from being a young kid and stuff like just I don't know like simple things like not getting in a car with people and just saying no and then finding out that they had been in an accident or they'd been pulled over by the police or just little things intuition wise I'd always had um and then it kind of came to a head with that situation I was just speaking about before and so then I went the normal route of fixing things you know normal I'm doing quotation marks because no one can see me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Just, just for those people listening to the podcast because this is, you know, a listening thing. We're doing quotation marks. Um, <laughs> so I went and did the normal thing and I went and saw a psychologist because, you know, I was like, I'm depressed. This must be what this is. Like I just, you know, that's the only thing that explains what's going on. And she said to me, she goes, you need to um, duck grounding. I'm like, what the hell is grant? Like, you're a psychologist. What the hell is this hippy dippy stuff you're talking about? Like, grounding? <laughs> anyway, I'd started following a lady on Facebook and she was a reader. And she came up one night and she was doing free card readings on Facebook. And the card she pulled for me was grounding. So I messaged her and I'm like, right, okay, what what is this? Because I have no idea what grounding is, even is. She's like, you just literally need to go outside, put your feet on the earth for a little while. And I'm like, that's it and she's like yeah she goes when do you take your shoes off I'm like when I'm in my house she goes yeah that's not good enough you need to actually go and stand on the grass so that's kind of that was the start of my spiritual journey there and then um and then my son had brain surgery in 2018 and she knew I was enjoying all this stuff and she actually gifted me a crystal healing diploma so I've actually done my diploma in crystal healing And I just loved soaking up all the knowledge of all of that. So then I went on to learning Reiki and then I just, I'm just a learner. I just love to know things, you know, like I have all of this, but like Michelle's like, come and see me. I have nowhere to you to come and see me. I like, you know, I'd help you out. I'll do some Reiki on you if I'm, you know, around and you ask me to, or I can tell you about chakras, not actually doing it as a business as of yet, you know, but for me, I use it. I use it on my kids. Like my eldest has a lot of special needs, and I've taught him now how to do Reiki on himself. Like because I find that it helps him calm and center himself. So, for me, my energy work was integrating it into my everyday life and stuff. My one-year-old is obsessed with crystals. Like if there is a crystal within ten-meter radius, that child will find it. My other child is obsessed with crystals at the moment as well and just wants to learn everything about them. So for me, energy work is just about teaching my boys how to use that later on in their life as well and just being open about it and, yeah, giving as much knowledge and stuff that I can share as possible. 
Yeah, amazing. I don't know why there's so much feedback in this recording, by the way, guys. <laughs> I can hear the speakers. I can, so I'm thinking it might come through on the recording when we when we come through, but I'm just, just letting you guys know that I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, so for me, I... I, I guess I want to speak more to how I made it a career because it's always, I, I guess I was born as the runner um, too. So from a pretty early age, I knew what my um, intuition was trying to tell me and I was connecting with that. And I also grew up, I was very blessed, I suppose, to, to grow up in a family who was very aware of this sort of stuff. I come from a long line of hypnotherapists. Um, my grandpa was a hypnotherapist and a psychotherapist and, you know, he would talk about um, guides and angels to me and then my mum would talk about it and she had tarot cards I got my first deck of cards when I was 11 it was very much that kind of a world like I, I grew up in that and it was very fully accepted so for me I wanted to talk about more so how I made it a career and for me you know the 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 reading side of things so when it came to you know doing oracle cards tarot cards all those sorts of things that was probably the one thing that I understood fully um, at a young age because even though this world that I grew up in was very open to it we never really looked much into energy healing um, it was more the uh, you know the spirit side of things and um, other than the hypnotherapy there was no hands-on healing or anything like that so uh, for me I actually started off um, through my career in uh, chiropractic and I really loved chiropractic it just made sense to me the body was this integrative thing that you know every part of the nervous system affected different organs and I just loved that and I left school really young I was 15 when I left and I never really excelled in school and I'd never really fit the mold there but when I went into chiropractic I just everything in there just just sucked into my brain like I'd never witnessed my brain being able to absorb that kind of um, information before. So I finally found something that was my niche, but chiropractors are open at sort of weird hours, so really early in the morning and really late at night. So after a few years of doing that, I needed something that was a little bit more full time. And so I decided to take my love of natural health. And at the time, I was also quite interested in things like beauty and, you know, as normal 17 year old girls are. And so I decided to go and work for a in a pharmacy. And within six months of working in that pharmacy, they had coined me the sponge because I knew every single product, what it did, what it contradicted with. I was, I had a write-up in a magazine about being the fastest person in the history of Australia to finish my um, cert my certification within community pharmacy because I understood it more than I had ever understood anything else. And wow. this was more around the aspect of health. So, you know, all the other parts of the pharmacy aside, it was the natural health that really spun my wheels, but I also understood the medic medication side of things. Um, and by the time I was 18, I was managing pharmacies and I managed pharmacies for 10 years. And along that 10 years, I also started to create my connection with holistic health. So I studied further into nutrition, into vitamins. And because I started my energy business from a space of being an intuitive guidance or, a, or a, you know, a clairvoyant, I also did that on the side from the age of 18. That was naturally going to marry up. So I wanted to be a naturopath to begin with, but at the time it wasn't feasible um, financially for me or, or time-wise for me. So I decided to go and study kinesiology instead, which is this beautiful mix of physical, physical Western scientific health along with energy medicine and emotional health as well. So it was a beautiful marrying together of all the things that I was just so in love with. I also had a really tough life and a lot of people out there 
who are light workers or energy healers, they've, they've had some trauma that they've had to come through first because I believe this is what gives us our empathy. And so at the time of, of, of this journey for me, I was dealing with some major physical health issues some, and, and, and along with that some real, very real mental um, health issues as well. So through my journey, I got to heal myself which is why I do what I do today because it changed my life and now I get to be the um, the facilitator to help change other people's lives. So that's how I got into energy healing per se as opposed to, you know, the hippy-dippy-la-la world of the spiritual realm, which I've always been in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm all for the woo-woo. But the, becoming um, a, a healer, uh, in particular, was it was raised organically through my interests, through my understanding, and through my deep, deep passion to want to make a difference in this world and to help people regain their lives. Mm. All right, so um, I'm going to finish up with one last question because otherwise we're going to run way too old over, and that is how to maintain boundaries and can I be and can you be friends with your clients? So how do we maintain good? boundaries and can we be friends with our clients I love this question and everyone's cracking up at the moment looking at me you can't see them but they're laughing I love this question because I make friends with most of my clients and um, I have been questioned about that before as to whether that's you know from people who I've been training to um, become you know healers or or intuitives um, whether or not that's appropriate and it is as long as you can maintain good boundaries so I'm going to uh, give this question over to Michelle to explain what her understanding of good boundaries is and I'll finish up with anything that I want to add to that but my answer is yes you can be friends with your clients as long as you maintain good boundaries but what does that mean yeah, there's a few ways to look at it, but it's, it is it is so important because for anyone that's um, coming to you and crossing your boundaries like straight away, it's probably not someone I would usually be friends with anyway. So I think you do befriend your clients, but it has to happen organically and naturally. And if it's forced, it's no good. Um, boundaries um, are a big one. Like there's so many different boundaries. Your time is a big one for me. Like people that respect your time, respect that what you do is an actual business and a job. So um, that people actually pay for. So yeah, I've monetary or service exchange. Like Jody and I, we exchange services. So, but it's, it is, it doesn't always have to be money, but there has to be an exchange of some sort. Do you want to talk more about that? boundaries around that oh yeah I just find that the I, I like that um for myself like money's always something that's you know tight for me so if I have something else to offer and everything I find that but I, I always try to make sure that it's at, in value yes with what I'm being exchanged with so yes. if I ever felt like someone was trying to give me more than I felt was what I needed or was I was worthy of um, I would bring that up and I would make sure there was a conversation around that before it happened. So I think it's being very clear around if you're doing service swapping with somebody, being very yeah. clear about that um, and making sure you're on the same page because it can go Actually, ugly yes. real quick if yeah. it's not. Yeah. So um, I'm all for it, but I do say make sure that those boundaries are very clear with it and you both know where, you know, you're going with it um, so that you don't go pear-shaped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I feel it has yeah. to be an exchange of sort, either money 100%. or services. People can't expect just because you're doing a type of service that's not mainstream that they can just constantly, um, you know, take, take, take uh, any sort of exchange back. 
Yeah, That's and I think it's one. important for people to use their discernment as well as to where they're at within a friendship with their healers or their mentors because, you know, healers and mentors, they genuinely care so deeply about you. They do genuinely care so much about you. They want all the best things for you and they want to see you succeed and because of this you're going to feel very held and very loved and that's because they do love and care about you but you also need to use your discernment as a person as to where you're at in that friendship is this friendship at a level yet where calling them at you know six o'clock at night to have a chat about all your problems is like the normal or is that you know is that something that you need to schedule a time with them to be able to do because there is a point in which that is okay and there's a point in which it's not okay and you know that's something that I've struggled with with my clients in the past is when that transition has actually happened and a good way to be able to figure that out is are you guys doing things together on the weekends that aren't connected in with your work are you catching up going to coffees are you you know talking about everyday things together like is this a friendship as well has it moved to that level and if it has moved to that level then you should feel fully comfortable being able to ring that person just like you would any normal friend and completely offload because there's a point in your in your friendship where that's totally acceptable and totally okay but if you're not catching up with them you've never really done much other than work with them but you feel a real friendship blooming between the two of you maybe first before ringing them at six o'clock at night and offloading all your problems and wanting their advice catch up with them ask them if they'd like to go for a coffee with you you know do all the other you know basis friend stuff first and make sure that they feel like there's a reciprocation between the two and as the healers as well we need to make sure that we're asking ourselves those questions as well like how is this friendship balancing out is this person you know giving as much as they're receiving from this friendship mm-hmm. because as natural givers a lot of our friendships, regardless of whether they started off as being clients or not, can have the tendency to be a little imbalanced because we give and give and give. And it's up to us, that's part of our boundaries, to be responsible enough to pull back when we need to pull back and and be open to receive as well. Because sometimes friends will try to reach out and do something for you and you'll say, oh, no, no, don't worry, I'm fine. Like, and, and you shut them down and people actually love giving. So they love giving more so than what they like receiving half the time. So we need to be open to receive and also use that discernment. But it's tricky. It is a tricky thing. I don't think there's a yes or no answer. Um, I'm friends with quite a few of my clients. Michelle started as, you know, one of my clients and she's one of my Sorry, my cat just knocked over something. <laughs> Michelle started off as one of my clients and she's now one of my closest friends. Jody, I've worked with a few times and she would be also be a friend of mine now. I'd still consider her to be a friend. Um, there's a lot of other people who I started working with who now I hang out with on a regular basis on the weekends, but they still come to me and pay for my services because they're keeping that boundary. I'm keeping that boundary. And we have a really strong understanding that, you know, just because we're friends, that doesn't mean that, you know, our profession becomes redundant. And just on the monetary exchange as well, like, and I'm all for service exchange. I think service exchange and monetary exchange, they really go hand in hand. Um, but with that exchange, you, as a healer, you must 
place importance on that exchange because if you want to be a healer full-time, then you need to have a certain amount of time and energy to be able to support your, your clients on a holistic in a holistic way. And you simply cannot have time and energy to be there for people unless you can support yourself financially. Unfortunately, we live in a monetary system and a monetary mm-hmm. world. So unless you're a millionaire who does not have to worry about money for the rest of your life, you probably do need to charge for your time because otherwise you'll have to go back to, to a conventional nine to five and you know earn your living and then be exhausted and try and hold space after work which doesn't tend to to work so that exchange it's an energetic exchange whether it's that you're exchanging services or money you're exchanging energy with your client you're there holding space giving so much of your energy you need to be able to accept energy back and that may come in the way of of services or it may come in the way of of actual money but it's important to keep that balance True. The other thing too, just if there's a little grey area with wanting to be friends with someone, is that community coffees that we run are really good for that. So M runs one, I run one, and you'll find a lot of people do it. And it's a way to get to know someone without that one-on-one because I don't know about you, but I'm really busy and I actually don't have time for one-on-one with hardly anyone, barely my friends, let alone clients that are wanting to be friends. So I use my community coffee as a way to get to know people on a different level where it's not a business and yeah. chatting about normal yeah. things, but you are really looking after your time and your boundaries of your own space by making it a group coffee instead yeah. of constant one-on-ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a really good way to go about it too. I love that idea. You know, community coffees, any kind of, you know, get-togethers or workshops, even if they aren't connected to the people that you know or that you've been doing. I went to a breakfast the other day um, who, uh, you know, from some really amazing people that are doing some amazing things on the coast here, but I'd not really been to anything that they had done before, but I just saw it in the morning and I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to go. And it was beautiful. And it, and it did help so much with that vibrational lift that I needed throughout the week too, just to be around some really high vibrational people. So they have many, many reasons to get along to any of your local meetups and get yourself out there and, 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 and put yourself out there. Like a lot of, uh, adults find it really hard to make friends as adults. But this is how we do that. We open the doorway to people being able to, you know, establish new friendships by putting ourselves out there. And then also don't be afraid to be the one to make the first move as a friend, you know. Like if you have mm. met someone who you get along, maybe you, you, know, you met them at a, a community coffee or maybe you met them um, because you've been working with them for a while or they're, you know, wh- whatever it is, however they've come into your life. It's our responsibility to make the first move if we want to create a friendship. So it might be a matter of you inviting them somewhere. or And if they say no, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want to come. They could be like Michelle where they're so busy that they couldn't make it that time. So if they say, I'm really sorry, I can't come, but I'd love to go next time, ask them again. It's hard. I know it's hard, but ask them again. I've been asked to come to things quite a few times and I have had to say no more than once to people. And it's not because I don't want to go. It's because it's just not lined up at that time. So I'm hoping that those people continue to ask me because I want to go. I genuinely do want to go. So I guess that goes for everyone. Like if you're wanting to connect with someone on a deeper level, be the one to make the first move, ask them out for a coffee, Invite them over for a barbecue. If you see an event on, you think that they would like, ask them if they'd like to go with you. Simple stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Do you guys have anything else that you'd like to add? No. Nope. Any events coming up at the moment that you'd like to plug, Michelle? Uh, yeah, just I've got a, an event tonight, which is probably a little bit too late for most, but, yeah, um, Friday night, Cow Circles. I'm going to be doing them monthly. And my meetup this Sunday on the 8th of March, if you're watching this later and you've 
um, missed it, we also run them every second month. It's a Sunday soul session at Forest Lake. So it's a $10 ticket, covers grazing platters, live music, a, um, a healing of some sort and cacao. Maybe. So, yes, yes. Very exciting. And obviously soul school as well. Sounds so good. And how can they find all the information on that, Michelle? Where can they find you? Um, probably the best way is my business page, Michelle Ann Soul Healer. And with an E. Oh, yeah, I'm pointing, but we're not on. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> they can't see you. <laughs> Michelle Ann Soul Healer with N with an E. And my group is probably the other really good place on Facebook. It's called Soul Junkies Connect. So Junkies, J-U-N-K-I-E-S, Soul Junkies Connect. That's my Facebook group that's really interactive and all my events are on there as well. Amazing. Jodie, do you have anything that you wanted to plug? No, not really. You can follow me at A Conduit for Joy. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and I just talk shit. <laughs> just honest shit. <laughs> Jodie's probably going to get that many followers after off the back of that comment. It's not funny. People love that. People love the honesty. The rawness. Oh, jo- then follow Michelle for sure. I'm pretty honest. Plenty of oh, it. my gosh. She does. She really does. <laughs> Um, all right, so I will let you know that we have a circle for the full moon on Tuesday. I'm hoping to have this podcast up and out by then. Um, and I have two day retreats coming up. There's still a few spots left for the Goddess Immersion Retreat, which is a day retreat. It's one day, and I'm just pulling up my calendar because I'm terrible with my own dates. So it's the 3rd of May. <laughs> so Jodie's holding up her fingers because she knows the dates more than I do. Uh, so it's the 3rd of May and that is a Goddess Immersion Day retreat and it's really going to be focused around women's health, hormonal health, womb healing um, and reconnecting in with our womanhood, our femininity. Uh, there's a few tickets left for that one. The next one that I will be holding after that is on May the 30th, I believe. And that is a men's and women's retreat. And it's a day retreat. And it is for reconnecting in with ourselves individually and with our um, with people from the opposite sex. So it could be your partner. It could be even a brother. It could be anyone in your life that you are struggling with um, establishing uh, clear lines of communication with. So what's going to happen in that retreat is that in the morning, the women are going to come with me to do some women's work. We're going to open our hearts. We're going to clear out everything that we've had stagnant in there. The men are going to go in, um, they're going to go off with my partner, who's amazing, and they're going to do some physical exercise, and they're going to open some communication with men, other men, because men really struggle to talk about the real stuff. So he's going to facilitate that, and then we're all going to come back together for lunch, and then we're going to talk about uh, how we communicate more effectively as couples, as peers. And then, of course, we've got the 11th of June, which is the the big exciting one and that is the three night retreat four day retreat um up in nobby's creek which is near mwillamba it is the nourished soul retreat and we are talking mind body spirit that is going to be an eclectic mix of uh spiritual work body work mind work and just general all-round fun i definitely Yay. try to keep balance at my retreats so Jodes and michelle will know all about those um those balances well jody will soon she'll be at the june retreat Look, I think that we need to take our life and our self and our body very seriously, but life itself does not have to always be serious. So there'll be lots of healing work, lots of deep stuff happening, but there'll also be plenty of room for laughter and fun. So if that sounds like a retreat that you want to be a part of, you can find out more information on those 
at www.emilyshine.com. Thank you so much for Michelle and Jody joining me today for this amazing Soulspiration chat. I've had so much fun. And again, if you guys want to get in touch with Michelle or Jody, please reach out after the podcast if you can't remember where to find them and we will link them to you. Have a fantastic day and thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks.